Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. Right off the top, I've got to ask you guys for prayer. It seems like the spiritual warfare is, uh, it's almost off the charts the, these, these recent days. And we know that we, as believers in Christ, these are the last days, some of the last days. And we'll be talking about some end times, Bible prophecy uh, related topics today with J.B. Hickson. But I, I w- just want to um, ask for prayer, put it out there, and um, we're doing everything we can in our power here at this ministry. And when I talk to other pastors and other uh, people in ministry, they are many of them are going through something so similar um, in family members, with health issues, with demonic attacks. And ours happens to be tech issues this last month. And we have not been able to resolve some of these issues, and it affects our podcast. It affects our outreach. And um, so please pray, whatever God puts on your heart and the Holy Spirit to lead, how to pray for, stand up for the truth, and for other bold pastors, patriot pastors and truth defenders and proclaimers out there who have ministries that... Um, really, the, the enemy is attacking because uh, I think he's, he's, he's just recognizing that his time is short. So let's open right now and uh, ask God for help. Father, we love you, and uh, we recognize that all authority and power is yours. And Jesus, you are Lord of all. We recognize your sovereignty. We recognize your faithfulness, and we know, Lord, that Anything that's going on, even confusing things, bad things, things we do not understand, we know that they cross your desk for approval, so to speak. So you are aware. We pray that you would give us your perspective, an eternal perspective. I know trials make us stronger. We ask that you would increase our faith. Trials also draw us closer to you. We pray that every one of us would draw closer to you and We ask that we would rely on your strength one day at a time. We thank you for daily bread. We thank you for your provision and your protection. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. We ask just for this day, God, that you would guide us by your Spirit. Empower us to do your work, whatever that work is, whether that's with family, our job, ministry, social media interaction, whatever that might be. Holy Spirit, please lead and help us to obey And God, give us great influence. We pray in Jesus' name that you would increase our territory. In the name of Jesus, we lift up this hour to you. We thank you, God, for the victory, and we look forward to that day. We know truth wins, and we thank you that you are making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guest, J.B. Hickson, more than 30 years of ministry. He's um, he's served on the facility or the faculties <laughs> and adjunct faculties of nine colleges and seminaries. He's got various degrees, one from Dallas Theological Seminary, and he is the pastor of Plum Creek Chapel in Colorado, the author of nine books. Um, Not by Works is his website. We'll connect you to his YouTube channel as well. J.B. Hickson, thank you for coming back on the podcast, brother. Hey, David. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, let's get an update on your ministry before we dive into the topic. And we're we're going to talk about the 84% club today. And people are going, what? 84%? Uh, 1984. That was an interesting year. They think of Orwell, right? But it's the 84% club. Christians avoiding Bible prophecy. Some pastors not even teaching on it. And we'll go there in just a few minutes. But, JB, um, you've got your Spirit of Antichrist, Spirit of the Antichrist series, the Gathering Cloud of Deception is now available on DVD. Tell people how they can get that. Yeah, we are so excited about that. Uh, you know, I realize that uh, for a lot of people these days, uh, you know, videos are 
online and you sort of download them or watch them through, through different apps that have streaming capabilities. But, you know, there's still a lot of people that are interested in a DVD, especially at conferences and as gifts. You know, you, you send someone a link or you say, hey, watch this DVD online. They may or may not do it, but you hand them a nice packaged, professionally done DVD set, and uh, they're going to they're gonna watch it. And, uh, and we are so excited to have Spirit of the Antichrist on uh, on DVD now it's a 10 disc set 14 hour over 14 hours of video 18 different videos on 10 discs and uh yeah right there on our home page if you go to notbyworks.org uh on the highlight carousel that kind of scrolls through on the home page there i think it's in the second spot uh you'll see a link there to get that and um so uh, really excited about that praying the lord will use that uh in these uh these great last days of deception to wake people up yeah and most importantly share the gospel and there's so much information in just one of those and uh, yeah, so I'm glad that you, that is available as an 18-message set. Almost, yeah, and let me just yeah. mention a couple of titles. We get into everything from the Luciferian conspiracy. We diagram mm. it and explain it. We talk about all kinds of manifestations of deception today, like Operation Mockingbird, the false left-right paradigm, mm. fake news, censorship, geoengineering, the Hegelian dialectic. We have a whole uh, video on vaccines and big pharma, false flags, eugenics, UFOs, paranormal activity, narcissism, all kinds of uh, topics. So, yeah, check that out. Awesome. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, culture shock uh, videos. Uh, you've got a new one. Tell us about that. How long have you been doing that, and where can people listen to those? Yeah, that's a little 10-minute uh, every week or two uh, kind of snatched from the headlines uh, video. It's it's designed to reach, uh, you know, just a general public, uh, maybe people that don't have time to watch a 45-minute Bible video uh, or sermon, uh, but they're kind of interested in what's going on in the world. So they're always uh, 9 or 10 minutes long, no longer. Uh, and, uh, again, they come out every week or two. Uh, at the very end, I always give a brief a sentence or two presentation of the Gospel, so it is somewhat evangelistic for those who may not know the Lord. Mm. Uh, but this uh, last one that we did was uh, called What's Wrong with Wrong? And we talked about how the word wrong has become a bad word for some reason, mm -hmm. and people don't like to, to take a stand or draw lines of distinction, and if you say someone is wrong, you're considered mean and hateful. And so we kind of talked about that and, and looked at some examples. And uh, so, yeah, check that out. It's, it's also on the highlight carousel there on our website. Our website is our main portal. You can find everything, our articles, our videos, our podcasts, everything at notbyworks.org. Including one of the first things we talked about when we had you on as a guest uh, last year, the top 10 reasons some people go to hell and the one reason no one ever has to. That's available as well. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And if I could uh, just put in a shameless plug for that, uh, that's my newest <laughs> book, Top Ten Reasons Some People Go to Hell. And it was just nominated for the SIPA Theology Book of the Year. That's uh, Christian Indie Publishing Association. Awesome. And uh, the voting is still open for that. And on our uh, webpage there at notbyworks.org, I think it's in the second uh, position, or the third position, actually. Uh, you can click on that link and vote for that book. And I awesome. don't get anything for that. It's not like I get a trophy or some <laughs> feather in my cap. My motivation here is very, very simple. Uh, if that book were to win the Best Theology Book of the Year, that just means it's going to be in more bookstores and more mm. widely read. And that book gives the gospel from the preface to the afterward and every chapter in between. And I believe the Lord's using it already uh, to bring people to faith. So we want we want your help with that. If you yeah. can help us by voting uh, for that book, uh, the instructions on how to vote online are right there on our webpage. We would sure appreciate it. You got it, brother. Um, I brought it up, so it's not your shameless plug. I was one that mentioned it, but it's j uh, uh, notbyworks.org, and uh, vote for Top 10 Reasons Some People Go to Hell. Okay, before we get into... I wanted to mention briefly two different pastors before we get into our topic on uh, the church and Bible prophecy. JB, um, you heard me at the top of the broadcast, and even before we got on the air, talking about spiritual warfare and the ver the reality. It's not just people in ministry. It's families. It's it's any anyone that's a believer in Christ. Um, a lot of people are going through it. And I'm not talking about COVID in the last year and a half or whatever. Um, by the way, I think Friday is um, the anniversary of uh, 14 days to flatten the curve. I think that's this Friday. But, okay, set that aside. Let's talk about spiritual warfare, what uh, you have perceived, and are are you uh, perceiving it as really ramping up and increasing, and do you have uh, some insight you could share with us? 
Yeah, there is no question that it is ramping up, and we get that straight from Scripture. Second uh, Timothy three thirteen reminds us that evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Mm. Of course, Satan is the ultimate father of lies and the great deceiver, and so all deception is ultimately rooted in him. And uh, we talk about that in the first couple of sessions of Spirit of the Antichrist, but I see it everywhere we go, and it's not some kind of uh, esoteric, uh, you know, demon behind every bush type of thing. It's just you see the real manifestations mm. of Satan's attacks, especially against those who are proclaiming the gospel clearly and accurately, and those that are standing firm for the Word of God. Uh, he's attacking in uh, physical ways, in terms of sickness and things like that. Not that all sickness is of the devil, you know that. Sometimes the Lord just, we go through sickness because we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But uh, but certainly we see him uh, really setting his crosshairs right on men and women of God who are uh, trying to take a stand. And so my caution would be, be careful, mm-hmm. uh, be on guard, uh, have prayer warriors, and, and don't be stupid. Don't put yourself in compromising positions or put yourself in, in, in places where people might be able to falsely accuse or might be able to um, otherwise you know, diminish or damage your ministry. Speaking of men and women in the crosshairs, um, the story of two pastors I wanted to ask you about, Pastor James Coates. He's a faithful pastor and follower of God. He's, uh, he leads Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada. The government issued um, the Rona virus uh, edicts that limited the free exercise of worship in Canada. Uh, they had overbearing COVID-19 restrictions. He chose to follow Christ, and in true Gestapo form, uh, the government officials up there, they, I guess one of them or one or more attended his service, church service, in, last month and then charged the pastor with violating an order to shut down the church by the end of January, which is what the Canadian um, uh, leaders uh, wanted to do, the powers that be. So Pastor James Coates turned himself in, and then they offered, this is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they offered to release him from jail if he promised to stop holding church services and opening his church up on Sundays. He rejected their offer, and as of today, Pastor Coates remains in prison. Um, He has an appeal hearing pending, from what I understand, and he's being represented by the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, which defends the constitutional and religious freedoms of Canadians. So on that story, um, JB, just your quick thoughts. Wow, yeah, if that's the one I'm thinking of, uh, it may be a separate one, but there there was also a Canadian church where they arrested all of the elders on the board as well, not just the pastor. And, um, but I mean, that sounds like something right out of Acts chapter four. Yes. You know, where they're told, you know, uh, Peter and and, and John are told, don't preach the, the Word of God, and they said, we can't help but preach it, and then they go to jail, or right out of Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're told, bow down and worship this idol. They said, look, we can't do that. We, we serve the, the one true living God, and, and uh, the, you know, bring it on. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, we need more men like that, and it's humbling, because, you know, you think of the little crises and trials of life that we face and that sort of knock us off balance, uh, and then I feel so ashamed when I think of uh, great men like this uh, pastor who mm. are sacrificing uh, pretty severely uh, mm. for the cause of Christ, and yes. I commend him. Let's talk now. I said story of two pastors. Let's talk about another uh, last year, a year ago, what most of us would consider another great man of God, um, and sadly that is Ravi Zacharias. Uh, brief update on his ministry, RZIM, is now going to change the name of the ministry it's Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Now they're going to change that. They're going to remove content related to the late Ravi Zacharias because of, of course, his double life, his uh, sexual uh, scandals. Um, they explain that the ministry's current top priority is to, quote, process of care, justice, and restitution for all who have been victimized by Ravi's abuse. Now, I know it's heartbreaking for a lot of those there in the ministry that had no idea this was going on. He was very good at uh, living this double life and private life, even though he was warned by a few people about the appearances of evil in his travels, but they had no idea to the extent that he was actually following up on some of this. So your thoughts on uh, the story of two pastors, and they're now changing a lot at the ministry. And by the way, there are a couple very good men of God. Abdu Murray is one of them who, I don't know what he's going to do now. He was under RZIM's umbrella, but he's a former Muslim, phenomenal apologist, and um, the 
it just we have to just continue and move on now. What are your thoughts, JB? Yeah, it, it's just so tragic, uh, but sadly, you know, not unprecedented. Yes. Um, I f- have followed Ravi for many years. I've actually shared the platform with him at an apologetics conference. Uh, when I taught apologetics uh, for several semesters mm. at the seminary, I uh, used a lot of his material, and it's just it's just tragic. And um, you know, we do uh, pray for that ministry and pray for uh, the people that have benefited from that ministry mm-hmm. who now are sort of under a cloud and a, a cloud of confusion, especially unbelievers or skeptics or people who were maybe you know considering the Lord and the Spirit of God was working on them, and now this really uh, creates a potential setback. But, uh, you know, David, it's, it's, not, it's, not un, it's not a story that we're unfamiliar with at mm-hmm. all, and it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, the devil is alive and well. He hates... Uh, Christ, he hates anyone who stands for the gospel, and uh, he's uh, he's going to continue to ba- do battle in this cosmic struggle until uh, until the end of the age. Absolutely, and let's just go and be a little bit redundant here. And it goes without saying that Romans ten nine and ten, Ephesians two eight through ten uh, or eight and nine, um, John three sixteen, so many other verses on the gospel. The truth of God does not change because a man falls. Let's be very clear. Any leader that would ever fall away or, or sin or reject God, whatever you might want to insert there as a descriptor, the Word of God doesn't change, and the gospel is, is the power of God. Yep, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God yes. right there in, in Romans 10. And yes. So uh, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it, so we've got to continue to proclaim it. And uh, it's just, this is just one more sign of the times, I think, yes. that things are ratcheting up. Uh, obviously, we can't set dates. We don't know the Lord's timetable, but we can certainly look at the you know, geopolitical events and events even within Christianity and the apostate church, and we can see that, boy, it, it sure doesn't seem like it can be much longer. Speaking of current events and uh, what you've been talking about a lot uh, at your church, um, the 84% Club, uh, which is how you refer to those who have no interest in or are avoiding the study of Bible prophecy. We know a lot of pastors don't even go there, and they don't. some of them don't touch on the Old Testament. So, JB, in, in the last three minutes of this first segment, if you could just warm us up to uh, what we're going to jump into today and the fact that the sad fact that a majority of believers just, I don't know, they don't have the appetite for Bible prophecy. It's astounding to me. Yeah, that's a sign of the times right there. Second yes. Peter chapter uh, 3 tells us that scoffers are going to come saying, where is the promise of his coming? Mm. That anybody who continues to look for the return of Christ is going to be laughed at and mocked, and sadly it's made its way into the Church. I, I call it the 84% Club because, you know, one-third of the Bible is prophetic, mm-hmm. and half of that has not been fulfilled yet, which means that one-sixth of the Bible relates to future end-times prophecy. That's 16%. So if you ignore the subject of end-times prophecy, you're ignoring 16% of the Bible, which means you're an 84%er. <laughs> you're content to just study 84% of the Bible. And, um, you know, most people, when you kind of talk to them about the Bible, they, they want to study the whole counsel of God. They're interested. But what really gets me is that that small group, of, particularly of pastors and leaders, who not only ignore Bible prophecy, but actually mock those like myself who preach it and teach it as if we're wasting time. I've had multiple conversations with people who act like, oh, you're silly. Nobody agrees about that. Why would you study that? It's all confusing, and and we need to study things that are more relevant. Well, let me tell you, there's nothing more relevant than the end of the story. We want to know uh, what the Bible says, and why would you want to read the Bible and ignore 16% of it? I just don't get it. Yeah, it's astounding to me, but I know American Christianity has kind of taken us down this road, JB, where it's all about self, it's all about uh, living our best life now, right? That's what we've been sold. Those are the biggest sellers in the Christian bookstores. Christian yeah. bookstores, not just the New York Times bestseller list, but Every day is a Friday, living your best life now. That's what we've been duped to believe is the Christian life, completely forgetting uh, persecution, completely forgetting the New Testament and the apostles and their, their example. Of course, Jesus' example, what he taught about suffering 
and also, of course, for getting Bible prophecy. But we've got J.B. Hickson, Not By Works Ministry, and we're going to talk about Bible prophecy and reasons why it's important for every Christian to study and know. Be familiar with prophecy. More on Standard for the Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with J.B. Hickson, the website NotByWorks.org. And J.B., reasons it's important for believers to study Bible prophecy. Um, where do you want to start? Yeah, let me. I think a good place to start would be to mention, uh, and this is kind of the premier announcement, we've got a brand new Bible study methods course that we've been working on for almost a year now, and it's the culmination of about 20 years of teaching hermeneutics at the college and seminary level, Bible study methods. And, uh, and that course is now available, self-paced, independent study, uh, just a phenomenal um, a resource for people who really want to learn how to study the Bible for themselves. And uh, that's in the number one spot on our highlight carousel on our website. website. Uh, you can learn all about it. It's got a 38-page, easy-to-follow study guide, 24 detailed lessons, reading assignments, video and audio lectures, study questions. You work at your own pace, and it will really help you understand all the different genres of Scripture, including... Bible prophecy, and uh, that's something that is woefully uh, neglected. But uh, so check that out. Bible study methods course uh, available right there on our on our website. Why don't people study Bible prophecy? We know it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Second uh, Peter we just talked about, but I think there are a lot of reasons uh, that we should just logical reasons that we should study Bible prophecy. I mean, David, nobody would walk into a movie and then two-thirds of the way through the movie, get up and walk out. And nobody's going to read a novel and then read three-quarters of it and then stop reading. We like to know how things end. We <laughs> like to know the end of the story. Uh, people like to know, when they're hearing a joke, what the punchline is. But for some reason, when it comes to the Bible, many Christians are content to ignore the end of the story. And, you know, you go to the last two verses in the Bible— and it tells us, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. And then it says, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. So why would the Bible end with a reference to the return of our Lord and Savior to establish his long-awaited kingdom if it wasn't something that was significant? And uh, so I think one reason that we should study uh, Bible prophecy is because it tells us the end of the story, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to know the end game. Yeah. And then, you know, all Scripture is profitable. We believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And uh, since the Bible prophecy is part of that Scripture, that's profitable, too. You know, Paul tells us in Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 that, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed, that is, inspired, and it's profitable. It tells us what to believe and what not to believe, how to behave and how not to behave. And, uh, again, if you ignore you know, 16% of the Bible, you're not getting the benefit of this sharp sword uh, that is meant to teach us everything we need uh, for life and godliness. Mm. Um, another reason we should study Bible prophecy is it gives us hope for the future. I mean, Paul himself said, if in this life only I have hope, I am of all men most pitiable. Mm. And I don't know about you, but if, if I got out of bed every day and thought this is all there was... Huh. Um, I'd be depressed. I, I wouldn't get out of bed. But what gives me motivation is to recognize that something better is coming. A better day is coming. It won't always be like this. The suffering that you were talking about in terms of spiritual warfare, uh, the sadness, the inequities, the injustices, all that we see going on around us in this fallen world where Satan is the prince and the power of the air and the god of this age, it's not always going to be like that. Um, Paul tells us in Romans 8, the whole world groans waiting uh, for this redemption. Uh, he calls the rapture the blessed hope in mm -hmm. Titus 2.13. Mm -hmm. uh, we need hope. Yes. I mean, hope is a good thing. At a time when a lot of people don't have hope, uh, studying the end times gives us hope. 
because it reminds us that Christ is coming back and that he'll wipe away every tear and there'll be no more sorrow or sadness or pain or suffering. Um, and that gives us a motivation, too. Um, you know, one of the big teachings of Scripture that is often neglected in connection with the end times is the teaching of the Bema judgment and the reality that all believers one day are going to give an account and be rewarded, not punished, but rewarded for their acts of faithfulness based on the counsels of the heart, 1 Corinthians 4 tells us. And we read about this in passages like 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Romans 14, 2 Corinthians 5. Um, and, 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 you know, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to be rewarded with positions of service and authority in the kingdom. We want to reign with Christ as he promised his disciples would on 12 thrones and mm. serve in the kingdom. And the life we live now isn't about what we can see and feel and touch. It's like Jesus said, if you get rewarded on this earth, you've got your reward. That's it. Hmm. But it's about what we store up in heaven and looking for uh, that future uh, reward. And that's a great motivator. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is all about, is motivating a group of Christians in the late 60s A.D. who were facing intense persecution to keep looking beyond their trials to Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith and recognize that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. JB, I want to camp out here on hope uh, for a few minutes because I I just sense that a lot of people, uh, Christians are not feeling hopeless, but I know a lot of people deal with uh, discouragement and deal with what's happening in this world, this fallen world, with the chaos that's going on in our culture and and in our country and, and really around the world. If you talk about the Great Reset and the global uh, the, the advancement of uh, globalism, but there's a verse, uh, some scriptures in Romans 5 that says, not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And studying Bible prophecy reminds us of the hope, like you said, the blessed hope, the hope that is to come when Jesus returns. Yeah, absolutely. You know, James said, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not that those trials are joyful, (laughs) but look for the hand of God in Mm -hmm. in the midst of it. Um, uh, Just um, uh, Sunday, two days ago, I preached a message. It's on our website uh, and YouTube channel, uh, Unwavering Faith, from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It was actually part two of a two-week message. And we talked about how focus is so critical. You can become consumed with your trials. And and I'll be honest, a lot of us really, it was pretty easy to become consumed with all of the craziness that was going on last fall and Mm -hmm. in the election and then in the aftermath of the election. And certainly there are signs all around us that the trajectory is not good for our country. Uh, but that's, that should really excite us, because it just means the coming of the Lord is that much closer. And um, and finally, I just had to, I mean, I was very interested in that, and it's a subject I've written and talked about, and of course it's, it plays right into Spirit of the Antichrist and all the material we talk about there. But I got to the point where I just had to say, you know what, I'm going to put that on the shelf, and I'm going to move forward with the ministry God has for us. We've got a difference to make, we've got a job to do, and we want to get the gospel out. Not that I'm still not keeping one eye on all of these things. I think the biblical principle is we have to be prepared, never scared, but prepared. Uh, But there comes a point where your tribulations and trials can consume you, and you've got to be able to look beyond that uh, to the glory, as you just read there from uh, Romans 5, I think it was, uh, that, that's going to be revealed someday, and, that, and how that's, that God is using all of this to mold and shape us into men and women of God. Yeah, I, I like the way you worded that. We've got to be careful that our troubles, tribulations, problems, trials do not consume us or overwhelm us. And I know this kind of relates more to your Spirit of the Antichrist series than it it might to reasons it's important for the believer to study Bible prophecy. But last year, we had like the trifecta of of major uh, crises going on with the um, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, riots and the the, the Black Lives Matter Inc., uh, some have called it the Global a movement of Black Lives Matter, the Marxist movement, infiltrating not only our culture and our streets, but the church as well, because the church wanted to do something that they appeared 
they, they wanted to appear as doing something good and, and taking advantage of that moment. But I think we were just people pleasing instead of really understanding what was behind that move. And then we had, of course, COVID-19 all year and the, uh, the effect of that, the fear, the panic, the media driven fear mongering and the shutdowns and the economic uncertainty and then the presidential election. But leading up to that was the political divide and Christians were not immune from that. So speak to that real quickly about not allowing everything that's going on to, what, what word did you use? Consume us? I think that's a good word. Yeah, consume us. Uh, and, and I mean, it's a fine line between being prepared yes. and being scared. Yes. Um, I mean, on the one extreme, some uh, Christians have no idea about uh, the spirit of the Antichrist that is already at work among us, First John 4, 3, and uh, they have no idea about the Luciferian conspiracy that is, is, has been ongoing and is ratcheting up right now as Satan tries to take over this world for himself. They just stick their head in the sand and, and uh, you know, refuse to look behind the curtain, if I can mix my metaphors there. Yeah. But then on the other extreme are those who are just absolutely gripped by it and panicked by it, and they, they stay up all night watching YouTube videos and are reading everything they can about it, and they just, they're, you know, selling their possessions and moving to a mountaintop, and, and neither extreme is biblical. I think we certainly have to be aware and awake and prepared, but at the same time, we know who wins in the end, and um, we are not the first group of Christians throughout church history to face persecution. And frankly, so far what we're facing doesn't even come close to no. what our brothers and sisters uh, in in the faith uh, are facing in other parts of the world right now, giving up their lives, being tortured, or they have faced for, for 2,000 years. So um, we need to keep it in perspective and recognize that uh, this is all part of God's plan. He's got this. Uh, God never looks down from heaven and says, boy, I didn't see that coming. What do I do now? You know, God's got it. And uh, this is all Oh, his plan, it's going to culminate uh, in the great day of the Lord's wrath, that final seven-year tribulation. The Lord will rescue the church before the great day of the Lord's wrath uh, at the rapture. And then uh, all uh, hell will literally unfold on earth during that final seven-year period. And it will culminate with Christ returning and us returning with him triumphant to take the throne. And he'll rule and reign over a kingdom in a long-awaited fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So it's exciting times, but we need to see all of it through the lens of Scripture. Amen. And uh, talk about Pastor James Coates up there in Canada, who is in jail um, for not shutting down his church. I mean, that's persecution. We in North America are the anomaly worldwide when it comes to the freedoms that we have, especially in the United States, the Constitution that we have. It is not the norm. Persecution is the norm. Um, intolerance of Christianity and the faith is the norm. We have been so blessed here. We've taken it for granted. And now here it comes, the cancel culture, the uh, intolerance of our, our, our being in the public square even. Uh, it's here, JB. Before we continue your uh, points on the importance of studying Bible prophecy, uh, your thoughts on that and our perspective in the present moment. Yeah, I mean, we better be ready, because it is here, and um, I, as much as we, you know, we want things to, quote, open up, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of us transcended the, the whole uh, COVID lockdown, uh, because we have common sense and looked at the science and looked at the research and looked at the literally tens of thousands of doctors, scientists, virologists, and others who uh, pointed out that uh, what you're hearing from the mainstream media and government sources was inaccurate. And so, like for our church, we've just sort of risen above it, and it really hasn't affected us. And uh, fortunately, we live in a county where the sheriff has, has said we're, we're not going to enforce uh, some of those draconian measures that go too far. We're going to leave it up to the churches. But it still touches us. We had a special event at our church here a week ago, and or actually it was just this past uh, Saturday, and uh, that had many people coming to church that are either unchurched or perhaps not believers, and our phones were ringing off the hook with people wondering in panic, what are we going to do about social distancing and masks and this and that, and you know, we just told them all the same thing. Look, we encourage you to follow your conscience. If you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you feel like you need to social distance, social distance, but we're not going to police it. We're not going to, uh, you know, enforce rules on people. It's not the church's job to do that. We're here to point the way to Christ and, and serve the Lord and, and be a you know, place of worship that has been a part of God's plan of the ages for 2,000 years now. And yet you realize for the first time since Constantine last year, 
we shut down, all churches shut down on Easter, mm-hmm. the day that we celebrate our new life in Christ and the wow. resurrection of our Lord. And because a government official got up and said, you can't go to church, we all bowed down and worshipped at the altar of the government and stopped having church on Easter, no less. And that's a, that's a shame. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a real, uh, I think, dark spot on American Christianity. So that brings us to the present and studying Bible prophecy, the importance of it. Uh, you say that it provides motivation uh, what do you mean by that? And I'm sure you've got some scriptures to uh, back that up. Yeah, so First uh, uh, John you know, 2.28 comes to mind, uh, where we read, Little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, you'll be confident and not ashamed. Um, that's the word abide there is the word meno. It means to, uh, uh, to remain in close fellowship with. Uh, uh, John had heard the Lord himself 60 years earlier in the upper room, the night he was betrayed, tell his, his own disciples the eleven, because Judas had already left, to abide in him. He said, look, I'm going to be gone. You're going to need to stay close to me. If you're going to abide the next few decades and the persecution and all that's going to unfold, you're going to need to stay close to me. And so 60 years later, uh, John, in fulfillment, by the way, of Jesus' own words in the upper room when he told the disciples, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance these things that I'm telling you. And sure enough, 60 years later, in the mid-90s, John's writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, and he writes First John, and he tells all believers to do the same thing, to abide in Christ, to remain close to Him, to stick with Him, so Amen. that uh, if the rapture were to happen and He were to appear, uh, you wouldn't be caught in a backslidden state or caught out of fellowship with Him or caught doing something that doesn't honor and glorify Him. So that's a way in which the end times realities, the return of Christ, motivate us now, because it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, and we ought to wake up every day and say, it could be today, therefore, mm. here, here's how I'm going to live my life. It could be today, therefore, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to spend my time. Wow. Um, we have two minutes before we have to take our next break, JB, and I, I you shared with me a couple of the scriptures uh, you wanted to um, talk about, and I just hesitate to jump into them, but I know we're going to get into them. I, they're so important because I, I looked these up, and I would just like to maybe talk about the fact that we as believers have to be diligent and must keep working the works of God. And I know you've got scriptures coming up that are going to back up the importance of doing that work until he returns. So before we share those scriptures from 1 Corinthians 3 and Revelation 22, uh, we've got one minute. Do you want to just kind of give us a teaser on what we're about to jump into when we come back from our break? Yeah, after the break, we'll we'll talk about the distinction between discipleship and salvation, salvation being a free gift paid for by the blood of Christ received by faith. But discipleship comes at a high cost, and we as believers, as men and women of God, are supposed to be following Christ, living our lives for Him. And uh, there are many reasons to do that, but one of them is uh, in light of the, the beam of judgment and the rewards that await us someday in the kingdom. So we'll talk about that. Amen. And uh, we'll then go on and talk about the importance uh, of keeping in the Word of God because it puts life in perspective. That's one of the points you're going to elaborate on and expound upon when we come back. We've got J.B. Hickson on the line. Remember, his Spirit of the Antichrist series, The Gathering Cloud of Deception, is now available on DVD. 18 messages. You can go to notbyworks.org. More coming up on Bible Prophecy on Stand Up for the Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is J.B. Hicks, and we're talking about the 84% Club, which is uh, really those who have little interest or they avoid either studying Bible prophecy or I don't know if that's a percentage of pastors that do not teach it. That's probably high uh, for that, I'm not sure if we could actually come up with an accurate number for that, JB, but I want to jump right into Revelation 22, and you gave me these verses, 12 and 13. Behold, I'm coming quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me to reward each one as his work deserves. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Let's talk about reward and our work as believers Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that one of the first and last things Jesus says in recorded Scripture is references 
to rewards. Hmm. Uh, the passage you just mentioned there at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22.12, that's the words of our Lord, and he says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, that can't be salvation. Right. We know that for a fact, because the Bible is crystal clear that salvation is not based on works. It's based on grace by faith, and so, or by grace through faith. And so it's a free gift. We receive it uh, by faith. Romans 3.24 says we're justified freely by his grace. And in that same section of Revelation, uh, we read, Whosoever will, let him come drink of the water of life freely. So when he talks about rewarding people based on their works, He's talking about rewards, mm. something you earn at the Bema Judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, that's a motivation. Um, it gives us a reason uh, to do good works. In my book, Getting the Gospel Wrong, I have an appendix at the back of it that lists, I don't know, 25 or 30 motivations for the believer to do good works. And uh, one of them is in light of the rewards. Uh, that's a pure motivation, not the only motivation. We do good works out of gratitude for our salvation, out of wanting to set a good example for others, out of love for Christ. I mean, there are many. But certainly the reality that someday we're going to be evaluated, and 1 Corinthians 3 describes that process mm -hmm. as yes. uh, our works being um, tested by fire, and if they're wood, hay, and stubble, they'll be burned up and we won't be rewarded. But if they are precious metals, uh, then they will be rewarded. And it's based on the counsels of our heart. It's not so much what you do, but it's why you do what you do. Hmm. And so that's a very real uh, passage, you know, concept. Every New Testament writer speaks of rewards for believers at the at the judgment seat. Um, almost every book of the New Testament references it. And and of course that happens. That reward moment happens in the end times. It's part of Bible prophecy. It's an unfulfilled prophecy. So if you're ignoring that. Uh, not only are you ignoring 16% of the Bible, but you're also missing out on a very tangible, healthy, biblical motivation to serve the Lord every day. I want to repeat what you said a minute ago. So important, because we tend to jump on the guilt trip, the, the bandwagon sometimes. It's not so much what we do, it's why we do what we do, the motivation behind our, quote, works as we work, as we do the things that God prepared for us to walk in while we're here. I just wanted to repeat that because it's, it's so good for us who are sometimes hard on ourselves because we look, we compare ourselves with people who are doing more, right? Isn't that a, the, the wrong track to get on, right, JV? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we need to remember that uh, I really believe it's, the, it's, it's not the people that we think who are going to be, uh, you know, rewarded the most at the beam of judgment? Um, mm. Because you know, a lot of people have all these outward accolades, yep. um, and yet they're really not doing what they're doing for the right motivation. Um, uh, but it's a, it's the counsels of the heart. First Corinthians four one. And by the way, in studying Bible prophecy, again, the, the subject of the judgment seat of Christ is one of many uh, areas of end times prophecy that is neglected. Um, that's the reason Bible study methods is so important, because a lot of people confuse the different eschatological judgments in Scripture. Mm. Uh, but if you take, for example, this Bible study methods course that we talked about a moment ago, I mean, it goes through every book of the Bible and talks about how to handle Scripture correctly, how to cut straight, and how to correctly study the Word of God. And, and it'll be amazing. Uh, every time I've taught Bible study methods through the years, uh, it's just amazing to see the reaction of people who, who now, on their own, can get more out of the Word of God than they ever thought possible. Mm. And they can study it for themselves. They don't have to rely on commentaries or, or other uh, sources. They can open up the Word of God and see wondrous things in His Word. I would love to just jump right into um, the whole meat of, of that scripture that you referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Do you, I think we've got uh, nine minutes. Do you want to walk us through that or at least uh, read that whole section for us? Yeah, so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the preeminent passage uh, that gives us some details about the judgment seat of Christ. There are many other places that it's referenced, as I mentioned, uh, like Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5, and then mm -hmm. rewards are mentioned uh, in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 3, we sort of get uh, the, the the essence of it. It, talk, it starts out, say, in verse uh, 
10, Paul says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. And then he says, But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Mm-hmm. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, it starts there. That's the foundation. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to be at the beam of judgment to be rewarded to begin with. Um, You're going to face another judgment, which is the great white throne judgment, where you're going to be left trying to enter heaven based on your works. And uh, that's that's a losing proposition. The only way we can get to heaven is through the righteousness of Christ. We have to be perfect. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, you have to be perfect just like God is perfect. And the only way to get that perfection is through grace and by faith. And so we trust Christ, and His righteousness is imputed to us, and at that moment we are positionally righteous, and that's the foundation. Then the task becomes, as we live out our days on this earth and await our eternal home in heaven, uh, are we going to have that positional righteousness translate into practical righteousness? Is our behavior and our actions, are they going to reflect the new nature in Christ? Are we going to live like the new man or the old man? Are we going to walk in the spirit or the flesh? So no other foundation can be laid than Jesus Christ. But then he goes on and says, now if anyone builds on this foundation, and he uses an obvious metaphor here, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, Mm. because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Mm. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. So the judgment seat of Christ is about reward or lack of reward. It is not about punishment. Yes. Jesus has already taught us that if anyone uh, believes in me, he has passed from death to life and shall never come into judgment. So this isn't a judgment about heaven or hell. It's about reward or loss of reward. So his work is, uh, if it endures this testing, he receives a reward. Verse 15, he goes on and says, But if anyone's work is burned, he suffers loss. Notice, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Mm. So uh, there will be people in heaven who have greater rewards than others, and, uh, and that's okay. Yes. You know, people often <laughs> say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> if on this fallen earth in which we live, it's possible for some people to have more than others and for you not to be jealous, I think that's possible, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I rejoice in others who, who might have more than me. Well, how much more so in a sinless state of eternity in heaven? So we're all going to enjoy the eternal bliss of being with our Savior and, and being in the kingdom for all of eternity. Uh, but some people will be rewarded more greatly than others yeah. uh, because of their life of service on earth. And Jesus talks about this in Luke 19, by the way, the famous parable of the Minas, when he says, based on your act of, acts of service while he's gone, going away to receive the kingdom, when he comes back and we give an account, some will be put in charge of ten cities, some five cities, and some will just get into the kingdom. They may not be in charge of anything. Yeah, J.B., I think we can all agree that we can rejoice in others who have uh, more here in this life if they are Christians, but we hate the fact that evildoers and those who do not believe in God, who thumb their nose at God, when they have, when they prosper are successful. We're in good company because David and so many others struggled with that as well. Oh, yeah. But let's go the through— of yep. life, absolutely. Let's go through the review real quick here. Uh, the, the Bible prophecy, uh, reasons to study it. It's important for the believer to study it. It shows us the end of the story. It tells us what's going to come, which is good for us to look forward to. It's profitable like all Scripture. It gives us the hope that we need for the future. It also provides us motivation for the present, like we just talked about, rewards in heaven. And now the next one is it puts life into perspective. Go ahead, J.B. Yeah, I love this passage in Colossians chapter 3. You know, a lot of life comes down to focus, and, and I mentioned that earlier. You know, where are you setting your mind? And listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, and if there is literally since, in other words, since you've been born again, Mm -hmm. seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then watch this. When Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Praise See, God. It's all saturated throughout the New Testament, these references to the end times, the mm-hmm. appearance of Christ, the return of Christ. And so we need to recognize that 
studying the end times gives us a proper perspective. It reminds us that we're just strangers and pilgrims on this earth, just passing through. Our real home is in heaven, from which we eagerly await the Savior, and we need to abide the, the, the ebb and flow of this life by keeping in mind that a better day is coming. It's all about perspective. Amen. And then, uh, you know, there's a couple of others here. Uh, and by the way, we get into all of these in the, the beginning chapters of my book, What Lies Ahead. Uh, in fact, I start out that book with a story, um, and then I stop abruptly at the end at kind of a p- pivotal climactic point. <laughs> and it really frustrates readers because they really wanted to know how it ended. And I say, well, see, if you don't study Bible prophecy, you're kind of doing the same thing, aren't That's you? And then I come point. back at the end of the book with the rest of the story. But uh, studying Bible prophecy authenticates Scripture by reminding us of the prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Amen. It reminds us we serve a covenant-keeping God who is faithful and trustworthy. Hundreds. Therefore, it inspires worship yes. in our sovereign Creator, who is in complete control of history. You know the reason so many people st- suffer and are kind of shipwrecked in the faith and, and, and really struggle with life's inequities? It's because they're, they're ignoring 16% of the Bible that reminds them who's in control. Hmm. And they have, they, have so, they have no true north, no real anchor to remember that, yeah, this is rough, this is tough, this is horrible, these things are not fair, this is not right. But you know what? It doesn't change who God is. He's in control, and someday he will make all things new. J.B., we've got two minutes left. Those last two points, uh, fulfilled prophecy and uh, in just God's sovereignty. He's in complete control over human history. But let's talk about fulfilled prophecy just for a minute, minute and a half, before we have to, to wrap up here, because we've got a great celebration of Easter coming up, uh, where we celebrate his last week, and we, Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday. Jesus fulfilled all kinds of prophecies that no one person could have ever fulfilled, and these were predicted, many of them, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Touch on the importance of that before we let you go. Yeah, I mean, all of the prophecies related to Christ's first advent were fulfilled literally. He was literally born in Bethlehem, literally born of a virgin, literally rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And we have uh, got to remember that his prophecies related to his second coming are going to be fulfilled literally, too. We can't put that on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a reality, and it's an important reality, and for all of these reasons that we've been talking about, uh, it reminds us that, that Scripture can be counted on, God's Word is true, God Himself is faithful, He's a covenant-keeping God. Look up and be watchful. Look for that blessed hope. Uh, and I, I wish that it wasn't an 84% club. I wish it was a 100% club. I wish mm-hmm. everybody studied 100% of Scripture. Uh, if people would read the Bible and study end times prophecy the way they're reading these other popular best-selling books, revival would break out overnight. It really would. Amen, brother. It's so good to have you on and to go through this. This was encouraging for me personally today, and I trust that the Lord uh, used it to encourage those who are listening as well. J.B. Hickson, notbyworks.org. You can also sign up for his newsletter, and they do that just by going to the website, correct? That's right, and uh, while you're there, check out our event schedule, and if we're going to come to a place near you or traveling every month for the rest of the year, come in and see us at one of those conferences. And if you're in the Denver area, stop by and see us at Plum Creek Chapel. All right, God bless you, brother. So great to hear from you. We'll uh, connect again, God willing, uh, in a month. Hey, thanks so much, David. Thanks, JB. All right, when we come back, uh, we will let you know who's on the rest of this week. Tomorrow is not going to be a replay. We are going to have a new uh, podcast tomorrow. I'll share with you the guests when we come back. Keep it right here on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. The next four podcasts, I've got four authors and four great books. Tomorrow, Dr. Jake Jacobs, his book is called Mob Rule. On Thursday, Todd Nettleton, A Voice of the Martyrs, his book is called When Faith is Forbidden. Friday, Kevin Sorbo's wife, talented actress and producer and author and homeschooling expert, Sam Sorbo. Her book is called Words for Warriors. And on Monday, Cheryl Chumley, Washington Times journalist, her book is called Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise, or America Will Fall. So those are the next four guests. Thank you guys so much again for your prayers, your financial support. 
And as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.